0: This is Jenna Avery and you're watching the TV Writer Podcast.
1: Hosted by Gray Jones, the TV Writer Podcast is brought to you by Script Magazine and ScriptMag.com, the leading source for script writing information in print and on the web. My name is Gray Jones, and I want to welcome you to the TV Writer Podcast, partner of Script Magazine, episode 59. Well, today, I am so excited to bring you an interview with creative destiny coach and screenwriter, Jenna Avery. You're going to love hearing her story about how she has integrated her life coaching along with an understanding about what it takes to get your butt in the seat to be a writer. Um, I do want to mention a couple of housekeeping things. One is that uh, I do apologize greatly for this podcast being delayed. It turned out I actually did record with Jenna a few weeks ago, and there was a a problem with the file that Skype recorded, and so we actually had to redo the interview, and I really appreciate Jenna uh, being so gracious to allow me to do that. Uh, And so that is why the podcast was delayed, and hopefully uh, we will not have that kind of thing happen again. My goal usually is to release the podcast every two weeks. So watch for it on the website at tvwriterpodcast.com, and of course you can always watch my twitter for updates at gray jones is my handle and you don't actually even have to be uh, signed up for twitter to follow the updates you can just go to twitter.com slash gray jones um and as well another housekeeping announcement is you may have heard if you've been following me on twitter that i'm going to be moving to la soon and i do want to give you an appeal um This is episode 59. There's been 59 of these episodes that are 45 minutes to an hour long. I know that there was a screenwriting publication that actually used to sell a 60 DVD series um, that was roughly the same length of time as these 59 episodes for $750. Um, Now, of course, these aren't necessarily as instructional in the same way, but if you can consider that the production time that it took to do these 59 episodes uh, is in the neighborhood of 600 to 800 hours, and the the sponsors that sponsor the podcast actually don't give uh, a cash, usually. Uh, I, I do work out some gear trades, things like this microphone was actually given to me by a sponsor, but they don't give a whole lot of cash, and so I want to appeal to you that if you're thankful for these podcasts, try to consider what they're worth to you. Are they worth... The same that you might pay on a movie or a DVD or a Blu-ray disc that you buy? Are they the same as you might spend uh, out for dinner? Or maybe if you've paid for DVDs, try to think about the, the worth that these have taken. And I invite you to please donate towards my LA Move. The LA Move is going to cost me about $18,000. Uh, and you will benefit from this. There will be video interviews, in-person video interviews with Uh, writers in Hollywood when I get there. So if you'd like to donate, you can go to tvwriterpodcast.com. There's a support page linked at the top, and uh, there's a little more detail about it, and a PayPal donation link. Please consider it. No amount is too small, and I really mean that, and also no amount is too big. So... Uh, enough said about that now on to my interview with jenna avery i know you're gonna love it and by the way do check out jenna's website jennaavery.com, and also follow her on twitter at jenna avery here we go enjoy this is great and i'm here with creative destiny coach and screenwriter jenna avery how you doing jenna
0: Great, I'm great. Glad to be here, Graham. Thanks for having
1: well, me. Well, I'm uh, so thankful for you coming on again. Uh, this is only the second time it's happened that there was glitching in the in the file from Skype, and I couldn't save it. So, appreciate your grace in, um, uh, in coming on again.
0: No problem. I'm glad to be here.
1: Cool. Yeah. Well, you are a screenwriter, and you've had a lot in your life before that, and so we will go way back to to the beginning. You were born in Berkeley, California, which is kind of a convenient location for where you ended up, but there was lots <laughs> along the way. Uh, right. Tell me about uh, growing up and when you got your passion for writing and how that happened.
0: Well, let's see. Um, I, I wanted to write when I was a kid, and I think it all started when I first started being exposed to science fiction in particular, Mm -mm. um, my dad handed me a sci-fi book and he said, I think you might like this. And it was called uh, The City and the Stars by Arthur C. Mm -hmm. Clarke. And I was immediately entranced. It was just such a magical story and, and gave me such a unique perspective about life the universe and everything that I couldn't turn away from it and and right around that same time I also saw Star Wars for the first time and the combination of the two of those things happening in my life at that age were just Mm -hmm. I don't know it just it it just showed me that there was something more to storytelling than this kind of things I'd been exposed to before Mm -hmm. and it really inspired me to want to be a writer
1: Yeah. Very cool. I I know so many people I know. I mean, we're kind of the age where um, that was one of the first movies we remembered seeing. Yes. And my, my film school class... It was like it, when we first started film school in 1990, the the prof went around the class and said, "Why did you want to do this? Why did you want to do this?" It, it was like Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Like everybody said, it just opened up their imagination, and and everybody said, "I want to do this." Yeah. So very yeah. cool. Um, but so it didn't just happen then. Um, there were some bumps along the way, and tell me about some of those bumps.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting. I actually found, I don't know if I told you this in the original version of our interview, but uh, I found a box of things recently, and one of them was a book that I had made in sixth grade, and Mm -hmm. it showed, like, I had a little section in it called my autobiography, where I had written my autobiography as if I was looking back on my life. And yeah. And so this was what, when I'm like eleven or twelve, I think. And and I had written out this whole piece about how I was a writer and I had written all these children's books. And then I had become a mom and had a family and then my my readers were Begging me to come back and write more stories. And I even had some of the titles in there that I was planning wow. to write. And then I thought, wow, okay, I wasn't just imagining this because you've seen my about page on my website. And so, you know, mm-hmm. that I talked about being wanting to be a writer and then having my parents kind of discourage me from it. And, you know, there was a part of me that thought, okay, well, maybe I just was thinking that or I, you know, I, you know how things go when you're a kid, right? That's all I hate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I thought, okay, well, maybe that wasn't true. But then no, I, in fact, I found the evidence of it and what's even funnier is that i also found the evidence of an early interest in screenwriting in a sense because i found this letter that I, i vividly remembered writing but i i didn't know again like what had happened to it and i found it in this box that my parents gave me and it was a letter to the uh the Television station manager at Fox, Mm -hmm. I guess at the time when they had just put out *Shogun*. Do you remember when *Shogun*? Oh yeah, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I watched that with my parents, and loved it. And I wanted to write a letter, and I did, saying, you know, would you please consider making the kind of movies that I think would be really good like you know since you've adapted other books like what about The White Dragon by Anne McCaffrey
1: oh yeah that is one of my favorite books of all time
0: me too well and you know it's in development right right now no seriously I, yeah I, I think it is I was, I was well, google searching I, it
1: <laughs> I, I know that that the whole Dragon Riders of Pern mm-hmm. was in development in the late 90s yes and it was just Going to happen and going to happen and going to happen and didn't and mm-hmm. I've always thought I have always thought I mean with with the Hobbit and with yeah um, Lord, Lord of the Rings and with Narnia and all these things that that would just I mean the technology is there now yeah to just do a, an amazing four quadrant series with that
0: it would be and incredible
1: it just seems like it's a it's a no-brainer
0: yes yes and i think what i read i think online was that dragon flight which i think is the first of the kind of trilogy um Mm -hmm. is the one that's under development i could be wrong but you know it's just i i I was thinking like okay what would i like to adapt you know so i was doing some google searches on it so i had that interest way back then even i of course i just never thought of myself doing it at that point i was picturing Mm. writing books um But so, uh, somewhere around my early teens, uh, maybe even a little before that, I talked to my parents. We had one of those infamous dinner table conversations, Mm. and we talked about, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I wanted to be a writer. And they said, well, you won't make very much money doing that. (laughs) And... (laughs) Interestingly, both my grandparents were writers. Um, they, they wrote books for, uh, bottle collecting. They were into this whole bottle collecting of Jim Beam bottles. And so they authored Mm -hmm. a number of books, um, about that. And, and, you know, maybe that's where my parents got the idea. But in any case, they said, you just won't make very much money doing that. And I, and I said, Oh, okay. (laughs) You know, well, (laughs) what could, you know, what could I do? And, and, Uh, They said, well, how much money do you want to make? And and at that point, I thought that $40,000 a year sounded just about like the right amount of money. So I said that. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, maybe an architect. You know, architects make about that much money. And I said, okay.
1: (laughs) All right, I'm going to be an architect. Talk about a backward way of uh, figuring out what you want to (laughs) do.
0: Totally. Totally. And what's interesting is as I explored architecture, it wasn't that I, I... I didn't like it. In fact, I, I did enjoy, um, some aspects of it. Now I didn't actually do architecture. I went and studied city planning and landscape architecture and Mm -hmm. ultimately became an urban designer, which was pretty neat in many ways. And I love the creative aspects of it. I love designing the cities of tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. That fits for a sci-fi kind of a, uh, what do I want to call myself? A sci-fi geek, a sci-fi fiend. (laughs) So that was fun. Um, but at the same time, it didn't let me be quite as idealistic as I really wanted to be. It was, mm. it was a frustrating profession.
1: So you uh, you graduated from Cal State Hayward and also from UC Berkeley. So you had two master's degrees,
0: right? Um, right.
1: And uh, and so you you did this urban planning, and you had various jobs. And then what happened?
0: Well. When I left, let's see, there's a couple of like, I don't know, I wouldn't call them speed bumps. Probably, <laughs> it may or may not be the right words, but, uh, when I left the city planning job, I was telling myself, I just want to write. I just want to write. I want to be a writer. And I couldn't, again, figure out how I was going to make that work financially. And, mm-hmm. that was kind of this nagging thing and so I made this choice to become a life coach because I was doing my own sort of career exploration at the time and trying to find my own path and what would I do next and it turned out that I had kind of a knack for helping other people with that and exploring that for myself and I went through this whole class called a quest for meaning
1: Mm -hmm. and we
0: spent a lot of time journaling and doing some personal Exploration work. And and like I said, I kind of had a knack for it. And it it felt like that would be a useful way to support other people too. And so I really found a passion for that and loved it. Mm -hmm. And I also thought, okay, this would be good because I can also have more time and space for my creative work. Because one of the things that happened as an urban designer was that my creative work, although ostensibly that's what I was doing, it was happening very, very little. Most of the time Mm -hmm. that I was actually working was a lot of administration, a lot of email, a lot of coordination and project management. And like 2% of my time was spent with my pen on my drafting table. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to have a lot more creative time. And then I got into the city planning or excuse me, the life coaching realm and found myself just as busy building a life coaching business as I had been as a city planner and, and urban designer. And so all of that hoped for creative time was getting squashed you know out of out of the existence
1: majoring in the minors
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> oh it's, i mean so many of us fall into that i know i i myself absolutely 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 um i mean i i started actually television editing was something i thought well this will this will be an easier paycheck than than writing and i can just do this to support myself while I pursue a writing career and Mm -hmm. that's like 12 years ago. (laughs) Um, and then even, you know, and I, I hate to say it, but podcasting was something that I, I was, it was supposed to get me closer to, Mm. um, to writing and 200 interviews later. Um, it, I've honestly, it's been awesome, Yes, but I've majored in a lot of things that haven't actually been the direction that I wanted really to be going in. Yeah. So, uh, that's my confession, and I know you you went through some of that too. Yeah. Um. You also had some other adventures at the same time, house buying, you got married and parenting and all yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. But then, what crystallized? How did how did you finally get on the course that you wanted?
0: I I was, I wasn't feeling very happy with what I was doing, and there was there was one evening when I was driving home from an event I had gone to a TEDx Marin event, uh, which is mm-hmm. you know a, a small version of the TED Talks, and. Suddenly this thought popped into my head, I don't want to be doing what I'm doing anymore. And I said, oh, no, <laughs> you know, I, don't, I don't want to change everything. And yet it was a persistent, clear voice. And so over the next while, I spent some time kind of checking in with myself about, well, what what do I want to be doing? What, what, what's the right thing for me to be doing? And my inner voice just kept saying, write like your life depends on it. Mm-hmm and that just kept coming up over and over again and so I was sort of you know trying to figure out how to make that all happen and then somewhere around that same time I was in a pretty scary car accident with my husband and my little son he was two and a half at the time he's four and a half now and we we rolled over the, we flipped off the side of the highway and had a rollover experience of sliding down this uh, embankment upside down. And luckily we were essentially (laughs) fine. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, crawling out of that car accident in the middle, middle of this beautiful, sunny day, the sun shining. I was, you know, down below the freeway in this, in this golden field, you know, there were cows and Oak trees and stuff. And I'm standing there thinking, Oh my gosh, what just happened, and wow. what do I need to take away from this? And I just, it just felt like it. it uh, this has to be one of those what I call a cosmic two by four that says, okay, you know, wake <laughs> up,
1: <laughs>
0: you know, wake up, and it's time to change it. And mm-hmm. it, you know, and and I think what's interesting is right around the same time I had actually signed up for a screenwriting class. So it wasn't that I wasn't. You know, heading in that direction, and part of me was like, "What do I need that two by four for? I'm already doing it." (laughs) But I think you know, it was something of an extra nudge, and and it really got my attention and really made me think about, you know, how I'm spending my time and how I want to be living my life and what I want to accomplish. And writing is just such so clearly a big part of it, and I had been avoiding it and not making it happen for way too long. And you know what you talked about, what is a of course so many of us, so many of us have other day jobs right we have to mm-hmm. um, and I think the mistake that I was making and the mistake I see so many other writers making is not making the writing happen no matter what even when we have a day job I mean I've seen people say well as long as I have my day job I just have to squeak my writing in where I can it's like no I don't I don't think that's right I mean I I think we need to fit our writing in first and make that the priority and then the rest needs to fit in around that somehow mm-hmm. you know and we have to be creative about it but I think really making that the priority is, is crucial
1: very cool and, and something else happened that I think is really really cool um, You when you started your feature length screenplay mm-hmm. it was sci-fi Yes. And there's there's a reason that that's significant. Tell me about that.
0: Um, let's see. I guess I'm not sure what you're thinking of, Graham. Okay. Well, I'm well, what, I,
1: what I was getting at is is the fact that that really this all started out with the fact that you love sci-fi, but oh, you were afraid yes. to yes to go there.
0: Yeah, I, I just didn't think that I would come up with anything good enough. I mean, I, I didn't think that I could do sci-fi work I mean I there was some part of me that thought that it was too hard or that I wouldn't be creative or original enough with it and that it wasn't going to fly and you know I mean there's the jury's still out there and, and yet what I decided was that I had to and that really the thing that called to me the most was that it's interesting that you asked me this too because you're reminding me that at the time, I was also working on a book about, um, about creative blocks, mm. a, a little ebook about that. And I was working on that and, and toying around with the screenplay. And my girlfriend said, well, why aren't you working on the screenplay? And I said, oh, you know, I, I read something by Stephen Pressfield that, you know, figure out what scares you the most and do that first. And she said, that's not what scares <laughs> you the most. The screenplay. <laughs> Okay, you're right. <laughs> so I immediately dropped the ebook and turned turn to the screenplay. I'll go back to the ebook at some point, but I, I, this screenplay deserves to be managed first or finished first, I should say.
1: Uh, very cool. And and so now that you have the experience of actually sitting down and doing it, you also um, have been able to blend some of the things that you've learned along the way, like your life coaching and just how you got your butt in the seat to do it. Um, <laughs> And uh, and so you now blog about this, and you have some services that you offer. Let, let's talk about that a little bit.
0: Sure, yeah, it's it's been great fun. Uh, you know, it, one of the things that happened for me as I was starting to write more regularly was I was I was still finding it difficult, and I was trying to block out time once a week on my calendar to write and that time would roll around and I'd find other things that just had to be done (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. my business was easily taking over that time and I found out about a system that a woman has developed that's for academic writers, and she was starting to license the system for other coaches to use uh, for any kind of accountability support, and I thought, okay, I have to have that for me, for myself as a writer, and I want to have that for other people for writing too, and so I took her up on the offer to license the software for creative writing, and Mm -hmm. it was just amazing, you know, just there's something so powerful about the social accountability of being in a group and writing together. Together, and having a coach there to cheer you on and your peers to cheer you on you know it's just it's quite powerful and the focus is on writing every single day uh, actually I, you know I say every single day we we, we suggest five to seven days a week because um, sometimes for some people we find that you know just really having one or two days off is really important and for other people it's really important to write every single day but having that kind of way to check in online every day and get support and encouragement every day and to know that there are people out there who are noticing if you're writing or not is so powerful.
1: Mm. And now there's there's a way that it differs from what one might think of as a writing group. Uh, yes. Tell me about that.
0: Yes, that's a great point. Thank you for mentioning it. Um, the thing that's primarily different is that we do not critique each other's writing. The focus is on the habit and the process and what comes up about our writing and not about the actual writing itself. And in fact, I do make a space on our forum for people to share an excerpt of their writing, uh, at the end of each 28 day session. Mm -hmm. But I don't, want them to share a lot, just a little excerpt, and I also ask that if anyone gives any feedback that it's only positive feedback, and the reason I do that is because I feel like this space being safe is so important, and I want to maintain that at all costs, and if there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with getting critiques. I think it's really an important and valuable part of of writing, but I just feel very, um, Adamantly that that it's important to keep those two things separate in this case, because this, mm. this this site gives us a, an opportunity to deal with the kind of the fears and the doubts that come up around writing, and so we don't want to have a situation where we're creating fears and doubts around our writing too.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it, and I think it's 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 funny because um, there are so many people who want to be writers, mm-hmm. and obviously anybody who's watching this podcast probably is in that boat. Yeah. Um I I'm, I'm just going to make a broad generalization that probably if you're actually working as a writer, you might not be working uh, watching this podcast. If you're watching this podcast, you probably want to be a writer but something's stopping you. Uh-huh. And and I know for for a lot of us the things that are stopping us from r- writing are not so simple. Mm-hmm. And and there's life traps that we've we've developed over time. Yeah. Some of them come from our childhood and I know for for the working writer to say just write, is so easy, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily always so easy. Right. And and so I I totally get what you're saying that that and and obviously there's a place for a writing group that critiques your work. There's a, there's a place for that, but I can totally see mm-hmm. how how um, working through the things that are stopping from writing. Um, might involve a lot more encouragement and less of the of that critiquing
0: part. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, it, it, the dream is so big, the level of resistance is therefore equally as high, and and I think it's something that we have to battle and face every single day. Every single time we sit down to write, we have to deal with that kind of. Um, energy almost that comes up that stops us. And it's, you know, it shows up in so many different forms. It shows up as apathy. It shows up as fear. It shows up as self-doubt. It shows up as these kind of inner critic messages. It shows up as procrastination and perfectionism. You know, it's just, it takes many Mm -hmm. forms, but it's all about this kind of resistance to fulfilling the, the big dream. And it's fascinating to me that we do that. And one of the things I think is so neat is really taking the time to look at all the little teeny tiny things that we're doing that stop us from writing. Uh, You know, even as small as leaving the email program open on the computer. So when I come down and sit down at my desk to write in the morning, if my email program is open it's easy for me to get sucked into it, right? So I've, I've learned to close it. If I start to stray in that direction, I close it. Or, you know, it's just these little teeny tiny things, but all of those subtle adjustments that we make, when we make a critical mass of subtle adjustments, it makes it so much easier.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and I know what really, really, really encourages me, and I think it's really, really important to to say is that it's not about whether you're a good writer or not. Mm. I, I read something just this week about I think it was Jonathan Swift mm. and how he literally had a servant lead him to a chair and tie him into <laughs> the chair. Tie him to the chair so that he would write every day. Wow. Because he understood that if this if he didn't have this, he wouldn't write. Yeah. And is anybody going to tell me that Jonathan Swift wasn't a good writer? No. no. <laughs> and, and so if if he needed that, yeah. then maybe I need that. And yeah. and maybe if my butt's tied to the chair <laughs> by turning off the internet and by yeah. waking up early in the morning before all the phone calls start happening mm-hmm. um, to do it or various other things that tie me to that chair. Right. I might be just as good a writer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's this great study. It's by Malcolm Gladwell, right? Is the one that talks about 10,000 hours. You know, to some mm-hmm. degree, we need to put in our time to develop the skill and the craft. And, and I think one of the biggest mistakes that so many of us fall for is thinking that we're expected to write perfectly straight out of the gate or that we should have the great American novel, you know, pouring out the minute we sit down at the keyboard. And mm. I, this, I just don't think that's realistic at all. I mean, I, you know, yeah. Ernest Hemingway says what the first draft of anything is shit, right? So if Ernest Hemingway can do that, why can't we? Why can't we write crummy first drafts and, and revise and learn as mm-hmm. we go? And I, I mean, you know? There's there's And
1: everybody does it. I mean even, yeah. even in the industry in Hollywood, they call the first draft the vomit.
0: Right. Draft. Right. Like they
1: don't call it the bad draft. <laughs> they don't call it the weak draft. They right. don't call it a terrible draft. They call it vomit. <laughs> like obviously they they understand that it's gonna be so terrible it's repulsive. Right. But it has to get down before they can go anywhere with it. Right. And take it to the to the better place. Um and, you know, there's, there's something, again, I, I just read this week that I think has bearing in this. Hmm. There, there's something about human nature that the more important we think something is, a, a, a decision is, mm-hmm. the more we stress about it. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with with how important it really is. It could be picking a sandwich. <laughs> and, and the, the, you know, we've all probably been at a restaurant and when we can't decide the thing we can actually get really really stressed about it
0: <laughs> you're right and
1: i and i think we do that with with our writing as well mm-hmm. that when we think it's supposed to be perfect and we place so much pressure on ourselves mm-hmm. it can really stress us out and i think understanding that i can put something terrible on the page it's not so important and the the world doesn't hang on this word that i'm about to write right then it can get rid of a lot of that stress
0: yes yes I agree. I've done some pretty interesting writing reboot sessions where I do private coaching sessions with people to get them restarted on their writing again. And very often that's something that's coming up is some kind of pressure that they're putting on themselves around, well, you know, I have a meeting with so-and-so and so, this has to be amazing. And then, and then they're never getting past even finishing the first draft and it's, you know, that, that pressure turns into paralysis really, really easily.
1: Mm-hmm. So you have a number of resources. I I know on your Mm -hmm. site you have some e-courses and e-books and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the the titles are uh, pretty revealing. How to Stop Making Excuses and Start Writing, I wonder what that one's about. (laughs) And um, Five Tips for Overcoming Resistance so that you can just do the writing. Yes. Uh, (laughs) So (laughs) obviously um, you've got some resources there that can help people out. Mm -hmm. And you do um, free writer's chats as well. You have a blog and and emails that go out, Um, so so where can people find this stuff?
0: The best place to look is at JennaAvery.com and there's other materials there as well because I do some other kind of broader life coaching but if you'll... Look for those specific writing-focused kinds of things. You'll find my free tip series—the one that you just mentioned—and there's going to be an ebook form of that really soon. Uh, in mm-hmm. fact, it's already created. I just have to get it set up in the autoresponder so people get it when they sign up. Um, yeah. And and yeah, I I the uh, writers chats I haven't done those recently, but I'd like to get back to doing that. So I'm glad you mentioned it. You reminded me that I want to do that again. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there's you know there's all kinds of great things available for writers. And then of course the writers circle you can find at just do the
1: Just do the writing yes. com. Yes. I love these titles. They're so <laughs> clever. Thank you. <laughs> but now tell me about. Creative Destiny. Oh, yeah. I mean, that just has this big sound. Um, Creative Destiny sessions. <laughs> what are those about?
0: Yeah, well, I, in addition to the work I do with writers, I also like to work with artists and entrepreneurs who have something that they're they feel that they're here to create, but they're having trouble getting out of their own way to create it, and it could range f- from a number of things. Um, Sometimes it's about not being clear on exactly what form this thing is that they're here to share. So I work with them on visioning. Sometimes it's about not being totally in alignment with their identity as a creative artist or even a writer. Uh, so I do some neuro-linguistic programming techniques with them around getting them more in alignment with both their vision and their kind of deeper identity of who they're here to be in the world. And the whole idea is really getting them back on track with what they were put here to do and helping them get out of their own way so that they can do it. And so part of that too includes doing some, uh, like inner critic work and uh, Healing past creative wounds and and things like that. I've developed a whole program and what I do is I I meet with people and Talk to them about what their specific challenges are and then design a custom program for them And then we do kind of a private mentoring creative destiny mentoring program, which is pretty fabulous
1: Very very cool. Very yeah. Cool. Yeah, so uh, let's let's maybe talk about some some practical or case studies Um sure some examples of the biggest blocks and how to beat them okay. uh, and or most helpful tips like out of all the things that you've 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 researched what are the the most what are the biggest blocks and what are the biggest tips on how to overcome and get yourself there
0: good question <laughs> um, let's see one of the biggest ones I think is just procrastination uh, and I think the thing to understand about procrastination is that again it's really driven by fear and self-doubt that we're afraid we won't be able to live up to our expectations and one of my favorite techniques for dealing with procrastination is to make your writing pro- uh, plan very simple um, mm-hmm. in other words decide that you'll write for the smallest increment of time that feels totally doable and set a timer for that length of time and then do it. And just write briskly if for that length of time when the timer goes off, you know, throw your hands up in the air and say, (laughs) I declare myself satisfied (laughs) and be done for the day and come back and do it again the next day. And the the tricky thing is, is that your inner critic is going to want to tell you that's not good enough. It's pretty typical but the the important thing I think to realize is that in some ways especially when getting a good writing habit in place you have to separate the craft and the output from the habit and Mm. first get the habit in place and then work to build up to more so that you can work more on actually what you're producing and, and creating but but first kind of really getting a solid habit in place is Important because once it starts going it's much easier to perpetuate it and it's amazing how people will find that they If once they're writing every day, it's it's basically harder to stop than it is to continue So getting the habit in place is really really important
1: mm. and f- I know for a lot of people they say the morning is the best time um, it may not necessarily and and, and I think uh, a really important thing to remember is that um, If a, if you try say for instance, you say I'm uh, I usually get up at 7 Maybe I'm gonna get up at 6 every day mm-hmm. and make this happen mm-hmm. and maybe when you get up at 6 There's just nothing there. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe doing it at 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. Is your creative time mm-hmm. um, and Just experimenting I think it was Linda Seeger had a creativity book that she talked about that. Um, that if if you are experiencing blocks when you start doing that, don't just get discouraged. Try to figure out right. if there's something some different way you can implement
0: it. Right, and also I think sometimes people think they're blocked when they just aren't putting words on the page. I mean, it, It's very amazing to me how when I sit down to write, I can sit down and think, oh, I don't know what I'm going to write, but then as soon as I start typing or handwriting, asking myself questions, answering the questions, filling in the outline, you know, whatever it is that I'm doing on that particular day. Things start coming once I start the action of writing. As long mm. as I'm thinking about it, I, I I'll stay stuck. But if I start putting words on the page, things start flowing. And so I think that's why uh, Julia Cameron recommends doing morning pages, or people will say that it's worth writing. I don't know what to write over and over again until <laughs> you know just just the action. And so like that's what I was saying. It's almost like the action and the habit of writing. Come first and then the production of the output, the creativity that comes as we develop it farther on. Mm-hmm. The other interesting little tidbit is that there was a study done by Robert Boyce about academic writers who found that writers who write daily are twice as likely to have creative thoughts as those who write when they feel like it. And I think that's a big mistake that many people make: is waiting around to be in the right mood to write, or waiting around to have long chunks of time to write. But it's actually quite surprising what we can accomplish in short segments of time.
1: Yeah, and I guess it's like anything that once, once you start like Pavlov's dogs, like that, that little ding is when your butt hits the chair, <laughs> and so your 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 brain starts to say, oh. Now's the time I'm supposed to turn on? Okay, I'll yeah. turn on. Yeah, and, exactly. And so it may not happen necessarily right right away the first day or two, but um, I know what one of the things that's one of the biggest blocks to to getting creativity moving. I, I had an experience where I, uh, my writing partner lived in a different city, hmm. and so he would come for these writing sessions where we'd write together, but the first half of the session would be just trying to catch up to where we were right and then and then we'd continue right. so i i i can get that that uh, that a daily a daily time means that you wouldn't have to take that time to catch up to your idea every time.
0: Yes, it, it makes it much easier to jump back into the story and just start going without having to take a lot of time to gear up. That's, that whole idea of I need a long chunk of time to get ready to write or to gear up into writing mode—I, I, you know, I, I just don't see that happening with writers who are writing on a daily basis.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, what about? Um, I know. Uh, one interesting thing, television writers, mm-hmm. you almost never hear a television writer say they have writer's block. Huh. And and I've heard them talk about the fact that writer's block uh, um, is just not an option in TV because you've got <laughs> pressing deadlines all the time. Yeah, That you just have to, so you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you do have more time at your disposal,
0: mm-hmm.
1: how important are deadlines? you're writing.
0: I think deadlines are incredibly valuable. I've I've never been someone who likes them particularly because I don't (laughs) like to feel pressured. I'm kind of highly sensitive and I, you know, I shouldn't say kind of, I am highly sensitive and more introverted and that kind of pressure doesn't, I don't like it. And yet at the same time, it's incredibly motivating and useful. So I've learned to use deadlines as my friends. Uh, in fact, you know, I, I write a, a blog post once a week and I. Have set a deadline of publishing at 6 p.m. on Wednesdays. And so, and I've scheduled the time when I'm going to be writing the blog post. And I'm now mm-hmm. actually leading a writing sprint during that time on my writer's circle. So there's no way I'm getting out of it, you know? Yeah. Uh, so having a deadline really has helped motivate me tremendously. It helped me a lot with my script. Uh, I, I had a deadline to finish it for the end of the class I was taking, I had an end, a deadline, you know, for the contest I was, was submitting it too. And then I have a deadline for when I'm taking it down to Hollywood in a couple of months. So, you know, there's, there's these deadlines that really help me say, okay, you know what, keep going. And it makes sense to me that TV writers would say that they don't have that so often.
1: Mm -hmm. Very, very cool. Well, I think, um, we're gonna have to start wrapping it up, but, um, if you had one tidbit or tip that you wanted to leave people with, what would it be?
0: I would say that no matter what your most important job as a writer is to figure out what's stopping you whatever it is that gets in your way and how you can clear it up you know every little obstacle all the little challenges you know whatever it is it's like your most important job to push those things out of the way so that you can do the writing
1: Very very cool mm-hmm. and so they can find out more at jennaavery.com mm-hmm. and um, your Twitter is Jenna Avery. Yes. Again, being very complicated. Yes. <laughs> very hard to remember. Uh, Jenna Avery on Twitter. Yes. Very cool. Well, uh, Jenna, I really, replac- really appreciate you doing this, not just once, but twice.
0: You're so welcome. <laughs> it was really fun to connect with you, and I'm really glad to be here.
1: Very cool. Well, I, uh, I hope lots of people come check out your website, because it seems like you're doing some very, very, very helpful things to help more of us get our butts in the seats and who knows we might be having some more jonathan jonathan swifts um (laughs) and uh, i'm sure the world would benefit from our writing
0: i believe so so
1: so again thanks so much and uh, and i can't wait to see that sci-fi script come to reality
0: (laughs) thanks gray i really appreciate it
1: cool okay okay bye-bye hosted by gray jones the tv writer podcast is brought to you by script magazine and scriptmag.com the leading source for scriptwriting information in print and on the web.